Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Unofficial Elder Scrolls Podcast. I am your host, as always, Pylon, and we've got a fun day on this very happy day after Stormthorn, Stonethorn Day. Well, that's a hard one to say, because I, we were going to be doing the podcast on Stonethorn Day, but then I had a lot of electrical storms in my neighborhood, and I lost power a couple times last night, so it would have been an entirely bad time. But we're back tonight on a different time, same folks though, except for we did lose Kiz. We didn't lose Lost, we lost Loss's lose of Kiz. But we do have Baratron with us tonight. So Baratron, how are you doing? Not bad, thank you. I feel like it's been forever since we've had you on. So I was like, I was like sad at being like, when is Baratron coming back? But you've had a, ru- a ring of things that you had to deal with and then we were making changes and moving stuff around, but it's back to normal. So how are you doing? I said I was doing fine. Again. I'm doing fine. They were they were all <laughs> mocking me because I asked my husband to bring me some painkillers before that before we started. Okay. And I, I But how did you ask your husband I, to bring you painkillers before we started? I called out to him and I says like, "Darling, can you bring me some painkillers?" Because I had no, to no, make no, sure no, no. he hear me. I can't I don't know what I did. No, she says all that she did was say darling, but it was actually, darling, can you please bring me the painkillers, darling, that would be fantastic, darling. Yep. There is a very much of a very heavy Downton Abbey vibe to it. Richie says I we are professional British it. people, so there you go. My, my, glasses turned into, uh, my glasses turned into monocles just listening to it. <laughs> exactly. I don't it's know what time. I did that was so funny. Oh, man. Uh, Alara is also back again with us, but she's been back since we had our Alter episode, mm-hmm. yeah, which was a lot of fun. How are you doing this evening? I'm good, and how are you? I am doing swell. Thank you for asking. Uh, and last but not least, AKB is controlling the midstream video tonight again while we talk about dungeons, so maybe he'll pop into a delve or something. How are you doing, AKB? Hey, I am doing... How about you, Pylon? <laughs> You are doing. Oh, I am doing well. I feel like this August has been weird. We were just talking about that in the pre-stream. How like August, for whatever reason, is like I feel like people are getting like over summer and they're just starting to like struggle with everything going on. They're like, well, maybe we want to like get ready for we're getting ready for like September, which is like back to school season. So it always feels like fresh starts, like people start taking vacations and just everything's hard to get around. But other than that, I'm doing well. I just I'm ready for a schedule again, like things to be like back to normal. But please don't that, say new normal. Else? The new normal <laughs> in this trying time. <laughs> we'll just keep going through that over and over and over again. Uh, but yeah, I think we're doing pretty good. So if there's nothing else, why don't we pop over and start talking about the news? So we've got a decent chunk of news to go through tonight. Uh, the first thing on the UESP side I want to announce is that there's been a change to Patreon where they have allowed you to uh, subscribe or patronize or whatever the wordage, wordage, verbiage would be for Patreon that you can now do year-long memberships instead of having to pay month by month. Uh, this also gives you a discount, which is great. And then because of the reduced processing fees, it actually means more money makes it to UESP. 
So that's something we encourage. If you think you're going to be subscribing for a year anyways, highly suggest switching to an annual plan because then it saves you money. It makes us more money and everybody kind of wins. So I highly suggest that. Uh, but I think the majority of the news this week is going to be an ESO. So I'm going to pop over to Baratron to start going through the colossal chunk of Stonethorn news. Stone, the Stonethorn patch was released. It's true. <laughs> is that all the news for is tonight? Is that all the news? No. Do you, do you want me to read out about this, this business about the new dungeons? Yes. Okay. So we have two new dungeons. It's it's been so long, Baratron forgot how the news worked. Uh, <laughs> the first one is Stone Garden. Deep within the caverns of Blackreach lies a secret laboratory where all manner of unspeakable research is performed. Our cases, the mad alchemist in charge, test new concoctions and experiments on both willing and unwilling subjects. What horrors lie within his Stone Garden? And what does it mean for the dark heart of Skyrim? Dun, dun, dun. And the other one is Castle Thorn. Though biding her time in her mountain stronghold, Lady Thorn has quietly built her forces for some nefarious means. Now, whispers and rumours in Western Skyrim point to a large host gathered at the castle, preparing to march to war. But to where? And for what purpose? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we're not going to go through uh, the story of those dungeons yet because A, they're not available for people on uh, console yet. B, I haven't had a time to go through the story yet on them. Uh, so it'd be all new to me too. So we'll save it for a couple weeks. We'll go through the stories there um, and let people know uh, which episode will be kind of the more spoiler-filled episode that way. Uh, but there are a number of other changes in the patch, which is update, is it 27? 27, yes. Is that the number? 27, yeah, 27. Yes. Awesome, yeah. We got the character pathing and housing, which have you guys had a chance to try? I have not. It's so fun. It's so cool. But I glitched it out the first time I tried it on Tuesday. And I had it, I made my banker kind of walk around the area where I have all of my um, uh, crafting stations. But for whatever reason, it glitched out and I set him to sprint. And then whenever I start, stopped to him to talk to him, he just ran away from me. <laughs> so I couldn't actually like interact with him at all. Uh, but logging out and logging back in fixed that. So that he still sprinted around because I needed to fix that. But when I talked to him, he stopped running away from me, which I thought was really funny. It was just like, like being like, oh, you're the one that... Thump! I just completely <laughs> ran away, which was really funny. Um, yeah, and some of the, there's... Um, a lot of optimization changes that they listed, and then there seemed to be lots and lots and lots and lots of item set changes. Like, holy moly, there was a lot of them mm. in that patch note. I barely even got a chance to read through them all. So I went, I went through it, and a lot of these changes are, are intended to improve game performance. And you think, how can an item set improve game performance? And what it is is they've taken out a lot of the... I don't really know quite how to, to describe it, but essentially they're removing some of the need for the client and the server to synchronize state. Yeah. It's called calls. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're getting so rid of what... Client calls. Uh, a lot of the sort of chatter between the client and the server, which can lead to lag. And you think, okay, yeah. how's that going to reduce lag? Well, if everybody's wearing sets, you know, three sets, and possibly all three of your sets are doing this, and you've got a whole server full of people, I, I can see how it... How it might conceivably make a difference. 
Yeah. So that'll be good. So that's interesting that, yeah. So most of the changes that were in there, I don't think should have a real impact to numbers and stuff like that. It's more just back end w- the way it worked, but there could be some changes I imagine. Like just like unintended. There side are some there. sets that have been intentionally made stronger. And in particular, there are the mythic item called Thracian Stranglers, which uh, yeah. everybody was referring to as the cheese gloves because basically they made you so ridiculously overpowered. Uh, they've been nerfed considerably. They've been nerfed, yeah. you know, way down. And I don't no, know I saw, if they needed to go as far as they did. Yeah, I saw on the like patch notes, and I didn't follow every single change, but at one point they nerfed it, and then people were like, well, wait, no, this does more damage now. And then I think they had to nerf it again. Because it ended up being worse than it was before <laughs> when they tried to nerf it. Like they reduced the numbers and the stacks or whatever it was and had it so they fell off. But then it ended up being more, which was really funny. So yeah, I don't know what they did wrong. Hopefully that fixes that out now. But yeah, I don't think it'll be too too severe. And those, I don't think they were supposed to be like like none of the antiquity items. I think are supposed to be like critical end game items. Like they seem to be more like mid road is what they're intended to be. I think a lot of them but, are intended for players who don't necessarily enjoy group content. Group content, exactly. So don't exactly. necessarily enjoy doing things like trials to get the best gear. It's like, yeah, have have some gear that's 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 fun and cool to get by doing the antiquity line. Yeah. So to have yeah. them suddenly become, you know, best in slot for for damage dealers was not intended. I'm sure. I think yeah. Awesome. And then, Alara, do you want to go over some what of the other important points that we have there? We can go over to see what they are. So there are seven new Solitude Vampiric Gold Furnishing Plans available uh, from the Brit, uh, Merchant Rolla Slalu for 125 Brit vouchers each, one for each trade skill. And the elsewhere ones have been reduced in price to 100 Brit vouchers. Has that happened before, that the reduction in yes. price? I don't know. Yes, every time um, they introduce a new a new one, with the Somerset ones, the Vardenfell ones dropped in price, I think. But certainly when the Elsewhere ones came out, the Somerset ones dropped. And they yeah. also moved over to Rollis Hlalu's assistant. However, I haven't been able to verify for myself whether these ones have moved to his assistant. Um, it didn't say for certain in the patch notes, so I, I just left it. Yeah, I haven't checked either. So they might have, basically. Anyway, there's also many more Antiquities bug fixes. There's a new Stamina Morph for the Sorcerer Crystal Shard ability. And a lot of changes to class skills, particularly Nightblades. Yeah, there's a lot of changes in there. I didn't get a chance to go through them all. So I suggest, I guess we can link the uh, patch notes if I can learn how to copy and paste again. I don't know why that didn't work <laughs> in the chat here. And they'll also be in the show notes for anybody listening to the show afterwards. Weird. I like completely just hit like the wrong, like I hit like alt C to try to copy and paste. I don't know why. Apparently my <laughs> You're on your Mac, it's Apple C. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be command C too, but I don't know. Things have gone crazy. Um, the big news uh, that I know a lot of people are still talking about is the vigor and rapid maneuver change. That uh, so they've swapped places in the skill line between vigor and rapid maneuver. So vigor is now available at level one in assault, which is the PvP Cyrodiil skill line, and rapid maneuvers is now level five. Is that mm-hmm. is it five or three? Rank five. Five. Yeah, at rank five, which 
a number of people have voiced they are very unhappy about uh, because Rapid Maneuver was nice for people making alts to be able to get quick right away. But the developers have indicated that the reason for it is they wanted to have a stamina heal available to players very early on in the game, which I think makes sense to me. Um, specifically, it actually makes my life a little bit easier because I started leveling a new stamina warden over the past couple of days. And I was like, I need a heal. I can do it in like two seconds now. I just have to go in and skip the intro quest and now I have vigor and I don't have to worry about it anymore. So... But I know a number of people are not but, happy with this change. Now I know I, I know the arguments f people have made for it, but here's my argument. Maybe you just don't tie player versus environment skills to PvP. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's supposed to be a PvP skill, though. It just but kind it, of also works really well for PvE. To the point of basic, it, uh, especially for figure, it was very standard. It's very vigor is in a lot of builds. Uh, Warhorn is another one that I was that yeah. I kind of wish would get pulled out of PvP centric. But yeah, yeah I, I I'm also on the camp of I prefer it when they like as much like segmentation between PvP and PvE, so they don't have to interlap as many times as you want. I like both of them. I just on my PvE character, I would rather get better at better with the character doing pve and on my pvp characters i want to just have to do pvp to get better there's been quite a few situations where they have balanced the game based uh based around a pvp problem and changed things yeah. in pve because and i would really like it if there was if there were basically you know multiple morphs of each skill so there was a magicka pve morph a magicka pvp morph stamina pve oh. morph and a stamina pvp morph of like every so class like skill. four four potential morphs hmm. to each skill yeah i mean possibly that's an interesting way um that's what i think would, would but then they've been very adamant that they don't actually want to balance it, pvp well, and pve separately. yeah it's it's very hard to do because you basically then have to build two games within one game yeah if you balance mm -hmm. them two separately but that's um, already what they're basically doing uh they can there it's not quite that hard though like if you're actually doing like this skill is how this skill works in pvp one it's confusing for new players because they're like when i go and hit this monster and i press this button chains shoot out of my character and it does this mm -hmm. if i do it and it does something different uh, when i'm doing it against another player it's there's a huge you can, there's like eight billion articles from like game design documentations about how big of a problem it is to try to balance between pve and pvp but in, like, uh, any game. Uh, here's why i'm imagining just straight up, instead of doing that, um, doing like Baratron said, where it's just straight up says, this is for PvP. Like, it, it will clearly, like, it'll be very obvious. Uh, what, uh, the PvE one won't really help you in PvP and vice versa. Oh, There's, but you say it'll be really to, obvious. And ooh, like, it, it would example, have to be like blatant, like it has its yeah. own bar. And I'm talking thing. about things like necromancer skills that say criminal act in all block capitals yes. in red. Yeah. And people are still like, I cast this skill. Why do I have a bounty? That's that's kind of what I would imagine being the problem is if people don't understand that there's a difference between that and then or they go back and forth and they're like, oh, well, this looks like this did this in PvP. But why does it actually do this? I want it to do the PvP. Like. 
I can see it being problematic from a player perspective. Yeah. I and again, there's there's people who spend a lot of time studying this and they know they're making these decisions based off of actually knowing how it works versus um they're not just making these decisions in a sandbox being like, well, we don't want to do that. <laughs> um but Beartron, do you wanna tell everybody our favorite patch note? Oh, uh, well there's there's a couple of things before that. Because like the well, the bug where the game decided you were still in werewolf gave your bounty should have been fixed. And I, oh yeah, so that many fixed. people were unhappy good. about that because they were you know they they'd go into town and they were they were human or elf or whatever and they were like but I got a bounty. This is on the werewolf. <laughs> I did see reports of a bug today that I don't I haven't seen any verification or not, but some people were reporting that if they got a bounty, when they went to pay their bounty off to a guard. It removed every item from their inventory. Oof! Ooh, that, that is game ruining. Is like, that including locked items, including everything? Whoa. So, I don't know if that's actually a problem. I'm just saying I heard reports of it. I'm not saying if I actually saw anything or if there was uh, confirmation that that bug exists. If that happened to you, I imagine this would be the "Let's talk about this bug" podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I actually had, I was playing this morning and I got a number of bounties and I had no problems with those bounties. None of my equipment was gone or anything like that. Uh, but apparently it took everything out of your inventory except for the items that were equipped. Well, that's scary. But I don't know for sure if this is actually happening. We're going to, oh, AKB is going to find out. Yeah, let's hope it's not. <laughs> but anyway, what else? Um... Still have items. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Xanor Theron, the luxury furnisher, now has its own stall in the Hollow City. He's not in Cicero's. And um, oh. our favourite patch note is that they've added a filter for included banked items to the Deconstruct and Research tab at crafting stations. So finally, he can make sure you only deconstruct items in your inventory instead of the ones that you're saving for the characters. Now, thank God. Obviously, I know. I've been waiting. There for has that. been a lock feature for. Yeah. Several several major patches, but the problem with the lock feature is that's if you want to keep something, and it's yeah. and it's permanent. Whereas if all you're trying to do is pass it from A to B so that B can get the experience for the decon, or so that B can yeah. list it in a guild store, um, you don't necessarily want to lock it. And so this is this is uh, really really very glad about. Now, yeah, or like sometimes what I would do is like any items that I wanted to research and stuff, I would throw into the bank from one character to another. So I'd want to research it on that character. And then I would go and like de just deconstruct everything I wanted to do. But I didn't want to lock it in between because I don't want to have to like go on one character, lock it, put it in the bank, go on another character, unlock it, put it like and do all have to do all that hassle. So this makes it just like on all of my characters, I basically just leave banked items off. And then if I put it in the bank, only one of my characters will actually go in and deconstruct from the bank. So thank you, Zenimax Online Studios. I imagine that was just for me and I appreciate it. Bertrand, it looks like you were talking, but I can't hear you. Oh, I'm not talking. I'm thinking. Oh, it looked like I'm, you were I'm looking at the official forum to see if I can find this, this bug report. No. Oh, okay. I can, um, I can tap, you carry on that, talking. <laughs> well, you said the next thing that we wanted to talk about was the thing that you are the only person here that has yes. any experience with. Okay. So I'll let you talk about the guild trader. <laughs> okay, so today there were really bad problems with the guild trader flip on both the PC servers. 
um, the main guild window, which you get if you press uh, the default key is G, bugged for absolutely all guilds. Uh, if guilds bids were successful, it shows that no trader was won today. However, the trader kiosks have flipped and are usable. For guilds whose bids were unsuccessful, the guild information window still shows last week's trade, trader and very worryingly, these guilds also couldn't hire an empty guild trader. So the way, the way it works is basically there's a five minute window, uh, which is at 2.55pm, either BST for the European server or EDT for the American server. And uh, you can't bid after 2.55pm, the game processes, and then at three o'clock exactly, the guild traders are passed over to the guild who's won the bid. And every so often there's, there's a, a trader that's left empty. And at that point, if you happened to not win any of your bids, any of your 10 bids, you can run around quickly and try and find one. And there's usually, even with the current system, there's usually one or two somewhere. But today, uh, the guilds whose bids were unsuccessful couldn't actually hire. And the only guilds oh. who uh, were able to hire were the ones who didn't have a trader last week and didn't win any bids this week. And they're also the only guilds whose, whose guild info windows are correct. So, um, a bit of a problem. Now, I did tweet Zoss about this and they have confirmed via Twitter that they've received the reports and are looking into it. Excellent. Well, that's good. Um, but I think that probably covers off all of our ESO news for today, at least. So why don't we talk about Legends with Alara? So this time, uh, the event we missed is the Modern Gauntlet. <laughs> this event. Uh, that we <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, the Modern Gauntlet is only uh, sets houses in Morrowind and newer. No core, no Here's of Skyrim, or Fall of the Dark Brotherhood, Return to Clockwork City. Madhouse Collection and Forgotten Hero Collection. So. Oh, that'd be a fun one to do. A lot of the newer cards are really interesting. So, um, but let's talk about the season card. Yeah. So the season or the monthly card is Scuba Cat Whimsy. This is a one cost neutral support. It has an adorable picture of Shogarth as a Scuba Cat and Alfie. Yes. Um, it's a got an ongoing effect that is. Your cards that didn't start in your deck cost one less. So basically, so, if you have cards that uh, are summoned by another card, like if you have oh, Mudcrab Merchants okay. that, you know, put something into your deck, or if you have one that, you know, summons another one or puts basically, yeah, another card into your deck, then they cost less. Gotcha. Okay, because I was thinking about that. I'm like, this seems pretty useless if it's cards that you didn't start with in your deck. But I guess if you have like a summoning deck, yeah, you could. That could definitely even be then. Like it's pretty niche. I can't really see a huge like use for that. Really, I guess you could if you have some cards that are like developing like some cheaper cards too. You can really ramp quickly. Mm -hmm. Would be a good way to use it. But yeah, I think it'll be fun. I think it's more of just like kind of a fun Shia Gorath. Yeah, I, I love the art. It's so cute. Yeah, yeah, the art is fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'll link to the article here in the chat. So you can see the card. 
I know it's yeah, the art's so good for that. Um, well, also, well, I guess we'll ask you since you are also art. So we have no blades news. Uh, do you want to talk about the call to arms news again as well? So there's just minor news. They posted in the Facebook group that the adventurer ally set is delayed a little bit, but adventurer followers will be a little bit early. So both of them will be available for pre-order this week. Awesome. And basically, they're trying to move to a system where pre-orders will be available like the month before the actual release. Very cool. And unless we missed anything, I think that's actually all of our news now, is it not? Oh, uh, by the way, so. uh, Great More soundtrack released. And- oh, yes. oh yes. yes! That's right. I forgot <laughs> that. that. Was I was week. listening to that all day today, actually, and I forgot to put that in the show notes. I haven't gotten uh, that yet. I should. It's on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, everything. Yep. And additionally, uh, in special edition, you can currently get an alternate Dwarven Mail uh, and a camping set in the Creation Club for free. It's pretty nice yes. because it's free. Free I is always the best. Definitely mm-hmm. recommend it at that price. I'm waiting for um, whatchamacallit it to come back for free. The survival mode. It's because I didn't get it for it. free when it... For, for free it's worth it. No. It is never <laughs> worth... I kind of liked it. I, I had a lengthy it, um, review series of that, which landed on it never being worth playing ever. I liked it when I played it for the little bit. I played it at my on my buddies. Uh, you don't know really what it. you don't know what happens. What happens? So, for those who didn't see my reviews of it, uh, Pylon was there for at least one of them. Uh, the saying Pylon. You were there. I was there. Like, I, I remember it. I remember, but, but I he, still want to do it. But I also like half the map most people don't like. You can't go into because you'll just drop dead from freezing. You can only spend like, uh, I think we timed it. It was like four minutes uh, in certain areas before you would drop dead. Like Winterhold, you could be there for four minutes. Was this? But you can you can the cabbage get thing. proper gear so that it wouldn't. Yes, you also had to eat cabbage soup. It was one of the few items that was well, actually it makes no good. sense that cabbage soup would be more warming than than a s- steak dinner. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't like, make any sense. Where's the protein the and carbohydrate in a cabbage soup? Where's the fat actually? What's in a cabbage soup other than cabbage? It's not. How do you yeah. keep it warm when you're carrying it around? <laughs> in your backpack. So many questions. Oh, and, and of course, your one option for trying to warm yourself up, which also barely worked, required front, um, fire salts, which are one of the rarest items in Skyrim. There's no. There, I, I'm, I'm not, not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. There's literally no confirmed samples in Skyrim. Interesting. And you need that as a basic item to survive. I love that we hit the nerve with AKB so easily. Just have to mention survival mode. Or Zumog Foom. (laughs) Or Zumog Foom. Oh, and speaking of people that we really like, why don't we uh, pop over to do our thank yous?
So this is the segment of the show where we like to thank all of the people that help us make the podcast possible. Uh, so I want to start off with our patrons. Uh, the new patrons that we have this week, we have Travis DeLong, Sam Middleton, Stacy, who I assume's mom does have it going on, uh, Maxwell Perkins, and then we want to give a big shout out to Ray Bennett and Heather Bernard, who switched over to an annual plan. So thank you guys so much for helping support us there. Um, and yeah, Stacy didn't have a last name, so I had to assume that it was because her mom has got it going on. Uh, and that's so sad. Uh, uh, I actually looked it up recently. Stacy's mom passed away recently. Oh, that's super sad. Yeah, she was young. Uh, she was only like uh, 57. Huh. Like, are you talking I about the actress from the video? Absolutely yeah. no idea what you're talking about. Stacy's mom has got it going on. It's a song from the early 2000s, I want to say. Either late nineties or early two thousands. Um, it was a. It's like a very juvenile song. It's great. It was a lot of fun. I'm That's a reference. Two thousand three. Two thousand three. Yes. Fifty three. So she was fifty three. The song is about the singer saying that he is dating a girl named Stacy, but he is actually in love with her mom because she's super awesome. Oh, okay. So it's a Fountains of Wayne cover. So Bowling for Soup did it, but it's actually Fountains of Wayne cover. Yes. Um, Those are two very silly bands. As I wanted to remind everybody, uh, that patron did just change it so that you can't switch over to a uh, annual plan. Sorry, Kate just posted a chat and it made me completely lose train of thought. Um, that you can't switch over <laughs> to an annual plan. So I highly recommend that if you are planning to stay for a longer than a year. Um, as well, I want to thank... Uh, Chi Bosch Villy one two three for subscribing on Twitch, which is another great way that you can help support us with the podcast and the Twitch streams. Uh, you can find myself and Avron streaming pretty regularly on Twitch too, so come check out our streams. I Avron, be, I believe, is oh, AKB is coming back. I will be uh, coming back. It. Uh, I do. I have actually been writing a lot of ideas and stuff to do. Uh, I am actually excited to be coming back. I'm just trying to decide on a good date for it. Well, any day during the week would be awesome, because right now... It will be um, entirely... Uh, I probably won't even announce I'm restarting. It'll well, be, I hope you tell me at least, so that I can make sure. No, I won't. I'm specifically only going to not tell you now. This will be okay, difficult. Well, we'll see what happens there. Um, but as a reminder, <laughs> you can always use uh, your prime gaming or twitch prime depending on if you've received the update to the naming on that uh to subscribe to our twitch which helps us out and make sure that people know that we um that you like what you see as well for anybody who is a subscriber and a follower of our twitch we are getting close to 2000 followers and when we do hit 2000 followers we're going to be having an extra special stream coming up which will be a lot of fun and there'll be some special surprises for our subscribers so Stay tuned for information on that. Um, as well, this week we got an iTunes five-star review, which was great, so I'm going to read it out here. I have been using the UESP wiki since I started playing Skyrim in 2011, so I was very excited to find this podcast. It is worth watching the stream on the podcast. It is worth watching them stream the podcast on stream, but if you can't, then definitely check out this weekly podcast. And that was from Pilot Jim Jones, so thank you for the five-star review. We appreciate it. Um, I think it was last week I was talking about it. And the the way podcast reviews on iTunes work, the system is called forced ranking. So when you're doing a survey, 
if there's ever an option between one and five, if you pick anything less than a five, the system considers it as a failure. It's like, if this wasn't, because only people that like it will always give a five star review. If anybody doesn't like it, they'll leave something less. So it basically says like, if you don't give them a five star review, you're basically saying you hate them and everything about them. And so, it, it it's very frustrating because like you oh, like, like oh you know like I like a lot they of things about this problem. one but you know it's not my favorite thing in the world like uh, exactly. I would do that to a lot of movies and games I really like but uh, uh that being the only thing like a perfect score being the only thing that matters as a good review though that's just terrible it's really silly. It's, this is an it's awful, awful lot of things. There's a there's a there's a three or four star in life, and it means you like it. Exactly. But- However, if anybody does like this and they want to say so, please leave a five star. Leave a review five star review so that you don't, don't think that we're garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's basically anything other than a five star review means you think we're garbage, and I'll take that very personally. So. <laughs> it- it doesn't look like it's a binary choice, but really it's just you either. It is really it a binary choice. It's a five star means you like it. Anything less like basically just throwing us in the trash bin. So <laughs> I'm kidding, though. We appreciate that uh, pilot, Jim Jones. So thank you for giving us the shout out there. Um, and as a final reminder that if you really want to support the show and help us out, the best thing you can do in the world is just create a wiki account and start editing articles. There's a lot of information on the wiki still missing. And if you can go in and add a little bit more, you make the wiki a better place and more people want to come to it. So I highly suggest if you want to help us out that you go on the wiki and do so there. But after that, as soon as my computer works again, there we go. Why don't we switch over to our scholarly pursuits? So our scholarly pursuits is where we like to talk about the little things that we've been up to each week in the Elder Scrolls world. So why don't we get started with Baratron this week? What have you been up to? I have been fighting ESO. Yay. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the stone, yeah, you had a struggle the this week. The stone download didn't agree with my computer. Um, it was throwing so up error messages that I've literally never seen before. Uh, and I swear it actually re-downloaded the entire game twice. It started the download at 6pm and got into the game just before 5am. And I have, you know, I have cable. I have very Whoa. fast internet. So I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, and there were quite a few reboots in there and repairs and oh, but it works. It's now working. We did it. Okay, so I reached the hilarious number of one three three seven champion points, my elite champion points. Um, but then You're an I epic gamer now. Then I carried on getting XP. <laughs> Have you you've started gaining XP on your EU character because I remember you didn't want the champion points oh, or something for the goodness, longest time. Oh my goodness, that was ages ago and Lost persuaded me I was being silly. Oh, so you've you've given up that goal. I gave up, no, 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 I've got about 540 CP on, on EU. So. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you been up to there, Baratron? Uh, ran the Imperial City Dungeons on VET with some new players and it's kind of interesting to see how much Vet White Gold Tower's been nerfed and how little uh, Veteran Imperial City Prison has. And then when I was clearing out my, 
my laptop yesterday to try and make more hard drive space in case that was why the download was being unhappy. Um, I basically doubled the amount of free space by deleting a load of files. I found some video files from June 2016 with Vet White Gold Tower and Vet ICP, and I really want to compare those versions to the current ones. Now, I tried watching them and listening to them, and the audio quality is it's horrible. Because I know because I didn't have any kind of dedicated microphone. So I was literally just like webcam mic. Oh, webcam mic. And I think webcam mic, I don't think I had even had headphones on. I think I was just using the speaker. So I think there's quite a lot of feedback, but you can still still watch them and and compare. Be interesting. Um, Let's see. Uh, The UESP PCNA Guild completed veteran kinds Aegis for the first time. With a score of 42,670, which, you know, it's not, not terrible. And it was quite exciting. We actually completed it. Because uh, we've done it before, but not actually got all the way to the end. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, a whole lot of Animal Crossing. Uh, so much item trading with other people. So many spreadsheets. My husband came in and saw me with a spreadsheet and was like, oh dear. <laughs> Because <laughs> Animal Crossing is not supposed to be the sort of game that you min-max. It's supposed to be the sort of game that you play casually for fun I don't fun know to if I believe that because and... every every single person I know that plays Animal Crossing like just completely min-maxes that game. And I don't, and it's confusing to me because I like play very casually in that game. But every other person I know is like, oh, you need to go to this this island today to do this and this and transfer this. And if you don't do this, then you're going to lose out on this, this. And, and the like, this is too stressful. Yes, I don't know. This is I'm way a, too stressful. Yeah, I'm a very casual player in that too. With, with me, really, all the item trading is that I am making a house for a character. You see, I've got my me character, and then I've got another character who's a rock star. And so I need to have all the instruments, and I need to have all the records, and I need to have all um, like spotlights and things. And so I've been looking for very, very specific items. Whereas, you know, my character, black top, purple trousers, or a purple flowing dress, and I'm fine. Whereas, this Whereas other- I'm, like, solely just, like, whatever I can find in my own island. And, like, I go to, like, a couple of friends' islands and then leave. Here's I come my- to say hi. Like, I have done, like, no trading, no turnipping. Here, here's my experience with uh, Animal Crossing. Uh, I, I, I bought a copy, uh, um, my sister made her little, uh, island and everything, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to, uh, being there myself, right? I walk into it, and, yeah. (laughs) The game goes like, yeah, no, you get to be on their island. Yeah, it's one island per switch. As a, like, second class citizen. Buy another switch, which yeah. you can't really where I am right now because they're in limited supply because everyone wants a switch. So yeah, that, it just said I. Well, I guess I don't get to play Animal Crossing then. Well, you, you do. Um, you can still play. You just have to stick with their island. You just have to be the. Uh, the second class on someone else's island. I don't know, because I play three characters on the same island. So. I didn't even I get, like, like I, lo- I logged in. Like, I didn't even get starting items. I had to figure out a way so I uh, could, with 
what I was allowed to do, I could uh, buy the basic things I needed to start the game. You didn't give me anything. It was so weird. <laughs> okay, I don't know what you did because all of my characters have had the lantern. And That's because you can bed. go into your, uh, your other stuff, but no. I wasn't going to my no, 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 uh, no. sister's stuff. They get it. You have to you have to go in and you have to um you have to do the first quest, which is the get five bugs and five fruits, and then they give you the stuff. There there wasn't any quest when I did it. It was literally you're on the island. Yeah, you just have you to know that's the first quest. <laughs> what? When you well, speak thank to you for Tom, joining us for the Animal Crossing podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But when you speak to Tony, he you, says, uh, why don't you out. try and catch some bugs and some fish? And so you do that, and then he gives you the stuff for the tent. I, I didn't get anything. I just was told uh, I I had to buy a house. It was, I, I don't know why it worked like that, but I didn't get any starting items. I had to craft uh, things, but and because of how it worked, uh, I had to start out by selling a few things. The random junk I could find. Very weird. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> so we don't spend an hour talking about Animal Crossing. AKB, what have you been up to? Uh, August is just the worst month, man. Uh, it's really busy and not busy at the same time. It's so weird. No, uh, I spent like most of the last week with hay fever. Uh, it was not fun. Most of the stuff I've been doing since the last time you guys on the stream have seen me is just really wiki work. It's been very, very uh, tedious is the word. I don't want to use it, though. It's just been keeping me busy, and it's a lot of work that if I ever finish it, I will just have a similar workload exactly like it to follow up on so it, it it's basically a bunch of infinite projects it'll, it'll never get done but that's part of the fun of it you know yeah uh beyond that i have actually been playing skyrim again uh i took a break from eso but i logged into skyrim and it's just been honestly some of the most fun gaming i've ever had i don't know why uh, it's just clicked for me it might be because I chose to be an Altmer, and Altmer start at level 6 instead of level 1. A uh, little known fact, because... They do? Altmer uh, effectively I've start at level 6. Because you get 50 bonus uh, Magicka, which no other uh, race gets, so you are effectively a level 6 character. Oh, effectively levels. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. I thought you meant it like, actually like started at level 6, and I was like, that's Yeah, strange. right. But yeah, the <laughs> that makes sense. If they're like the same, you mean yes. like they have the same? They stats are as a more six character. They, gotcha. No matter what character you have, uh, an Altmer will be comparatively more powerful. That makes sense. That's why Altmer out the best race in Skyrim. <laughs> Alara's just like nah, just period. <laughs> well, anything else you've been working on there, or should we pop over and see what Alara's been up to? I mean, I've been working on a lot of. Stuff obviously, but it's one of those things where you'd have to get more specific for me because it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been doing stuff, but <laughs> it, it's one of those things where it's hard to just try to think of 
everything you've done in that time period, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's well, been a few weeks, hasn't Lara. it? Yeah, it has. Well, if I said everything I'd done in the last few weeks, we'd be here still, <laughs> we'd still be talking about it. <laughs> Eight years Stay tuned for Wednesday for the Baratron Recap Podcast. <laughs> that doesn't sound very so- interesting for anyone. Unless they really like me for some reason. I'll, I'll listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing, Alara? Uh, so I've been kind of taking a break from uh, Elder Scrolls for the moment. Just every now and then just do that. So I've been mostly playing uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 and going back to older games like the original Sims games, which were kind of... Oh, wow. I must uh, yeah, install on Windows 10, but got it working eventually. So, Sims 2 is my peak which, for the Sims Which games. Sims? Uh, I, original set. The very, very first ones where everything's in the... Is it called isometric? Where, where you've only isometric, got four rotations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Uh, I agree Sims I 2 is the imagine. best one. And my my argument for that is they actually gave it away for free. Uh, I have the Ultimate Edition and it's just fantastic. Like, yeah, Sims 2 is good. They They never did better than that. It was just so freeform, is what I remember. Like from about it, like you could just build, you could build a apartment building if you wanted. Whereas, like in Sims Three, I remember it was like houses, and that's it. And then you had to use like prefabs for everything else. That's true. I think I think Sims uh, Two I gave think... you the most freedom. It was the most fun. They took a yeah. lot of the humor out when they went two to three, and also um, the characters suddenly went from being cute and cartoony to being uncanny valley, and I didn't like it. <laughs> Yeah, I think they they made it more about the personalities and the people than like the building. I think is what changed it for me. Yeah, I never played two, but I played three a lot. And I, the reason I actually went back to the first one is because um, they had four on sale for five dollars, and I started it. But it's like, oh, I liked the earlier ones; <laughs> they're just a lot more simple. So yeah. I'm like, can we go install the original ones? I have the whole set of those. It, it is an, honestly an amazing series where the, they have really not had many better sequels uh there's a lot of especially in gaming you have a lot of series with objectively better sequels than uh their predecessors um not sims it's sims yeah. one and sims the, two the sim like there is a big following behind the newer sim games because they like them because they have more like it's like personal like people playing like you play with the people more so I know that there are a lot of people that like them more now. But so basically, each game does its own thing. It has its own like spin on ones. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fun. Uh, as for me, I've been actually the opposite. I've been playing a ton of ESO again. Um, I decided the best thing to do is build more characters, because why not? I've got so many characters now. So I made two new characters. I made a Nord Nightblade that I've styled entirely off of Shore. So I'm trying to build it to be as like friendly as that would be, um, which is interesting. So I've got him cosmetically there now. So I'm just trying to figure out how to make him more like trickstery to fit in well. Um, and then the one that I've been playing more is I just um, I've been playing with my one friend um, Adana, and they made a warden character. So I was like, you know what? I really want to make a stamina warden now. So I made a new stamina warden, even though I have a max level magic warden. Um, and I've been running through that, which has been so much fun because I forgot how much I love Stamina Warden. It's like my favorite. I I leveled my Magic Warden as Stamina, and then I switched it when I got max level. And 
now I'm like, I should have just stayed stamina because it just is so fun for me. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of that. I've been doing Cyrodiil again on my Stamps Orc. Um, I was playing with my one friend, which we had a lot of fun going in. Uh, we did a Craglorn Delve, and it's the one that's part of the main quest in Craglorn, which unless you are on the main quest, you can't finish and complete it because there's a boss that's locked that you can't get into. And we didn't realize that. Was it the one in the water? It's the one, uh, it's on the eastern side of Craglorn. I'm trying to remember. Just northeast of Betnik. Uh, I could try to remember the name of it. But you go in, you kill the one boss, and it's great. But then there's another boss that's um, behind like a locked door. That's part of the main quest that you go in and finish them off and do something. Not the main quest of the game, main quest in Craglorn. But you can't get in there unless you're doing that part of the quest. So we were trying to, like, we spent like an hour being like, why can't we get in there? What do we have to unlock? Then we found out it was quest. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then the other thing I did, I'm going to pull it off here for the people who are watching. After all, yeah, we're putting it up there earlier. I know, after I already broke it, is I got the teaser map oh. from Greymore when the Greymore teasers happened. I finally got it framed which I've been trying to do since the beginning of lockdown and struggling with, so. How did you break it? My wall broke is more the problem. Oh, your wall broke, okay. How'd your wall break? I just have it in, hold on one second. And like, just like one of those little nails for like a hanging, frame hanging nail. And it went in and then just kind of started tilting down and now it's like a big hole in the wall where the, like yeah. it's easy to fix i can patch it really quickly but i suspect of something of that size probably on frame hanging nail it's probably yeah it's actually not that heavy which is good um the only thing i have to decide is if i want to take it out again and try to flatten it more because it's pretty creased but i haven't decided on that mm. but you know what I think we should talk about, because we have a lot that we wanted to cover, and it's already a little bit long, so why yeah, don't we, we go start talking the about the dungeons? So, Baratron. You were the one that suggested we have this conversation. So why don't you tell us what you were kind of thinking about? We wanted to talk about dungeons and what mm. they are throughout the Elder Scrolls game. So what was your thoughts and what kind of prompted you to want to talk about dungeons? Well, I mean, I thought that obviously with the Stonethorn uh, being released today, it is principally a dungeon DLC pack. And um, ESO has this, this cadence now where for two out of the four quarters the DLC is, is a dungeon pack. Now, obviously, the reason they do that is because it's relatively quick and easy for them to do that while other teams work on other things. But, um, and so I was thinking, and I was talking to Kiz as well. Kiz and I were having a difference of opinion. Uh, <laughs> well, no, no, no. We're, we're both entirely correct for ourselves. Um, because I was running a, a dungeon with, with an, a new player who'd never done it before me going fairly slowly to go through the story and we kept stopping for all the, like, the little optional extras and going yeah make sure you do this bit and kids was like well why are we wasting time doing this i just want to get through and get my xp and 
going. And I was like, well, and, you know, but, but we're actually both right that, that you know, his yeah. way of playing is he wants to, he wants to grind, he wants to get through the dungeons as quickly as possible. My way of playing is very much story driven. And it just, it just made me think really that, that, you know, how are ESO dungeons different from the dungeons in previous Elder Scrolls games? Um, what do the dungeons look like in each sort of game? What are all the different types of dungeon, dungeon-like content that are available? Um, all that sort of thing. And maybe, maybe yeah. if we've got time, we could talk a bit about our favourite dungeons. So what I wanted to do too, yeah, before we go into all of that, is looking at not just ESO, but in the main series games. So... I wanted to go back from the beginning and talk about it, and AKB will probably be the better um, person to speak to this to me, because the early games and how they handled. So Arena, I was under the impression Arena was mostly a dungeon delver, like basically most of the game was just a big set of dungeons that you would just go dungeon to dungeon, dungeon, dungeon. But somebody put in the notes that that's not what it is. What is Arena's, how does it handle dungeons? So Arena is very dungeon heavy, but it does still have the traditional this uh, city experience. Uh, like Arena is famous for its dungeons simply because most people will never experience anything but the starter dungeon. Yeah, because the game's very old. It's and the first dungeon is not exactly simple, and even then. The what you're supposed to actually do in that dungeon to be successful isn't very clear either. Uh, until you've played a little bit, it's a very it takes a lot of dedication to not just get through a uh the prison, but actually leave with a character that's going to survive outside <laughs> of the prison. because <laughs> you will get uh jumped by uh gangs of monsters who will just kill you, and that's it. Game's over, man. Uh, and I'm not joking, that can happen the moment you leave the, that yeah. dungeon. It, the game is merciless, but it has a bunch of very, what I would call traditional or, uh, classic RPG-style dungeons, multiple layers, uh, puzzles, different steps, monsters, uh, different themes to it. It's very traditional. Uh, the only thing that's on about it is the fact that it's single-player, but... If you're familiar with uh, Ultima Underworld, uh, it's a very familiar experience. Yeah. And then the other one I don't have any real mind of is Daggerfall. How does Daggerfall handle dungeons? Uh, Daggerfall has the most difficult dungeons in the series, bar none. There is no argument to be made for the other games. Daggerfall's dungeons will absolutely tear you apart. I have legitimately spent four hours for the simplest quest. <laughs> Just, oh, uh, wow. yeah, you go find this guy in a dungeon. Uh, it's a simple initiate uh, guild level quest. Four hours l later and having killed like nine elder vampires, um, <laughs> I never found the guy and I timed out on the quest. Because you also have timers in Daggerfall. Oh. Right. Timers are my like nemesis in video games now. Anything that's on uh, a timer, I'm just like, oh, well, I'm not doing this. So, uh, like with most of the, uh, like with the alternative 
outside dungeons and arena, Daggerfall's dungeons are procedurally generated. That doesn't mean like it's making new dungeons because there's a set number of dungeons. It's just using one seed and there wasn't any human intervention in creating these dungeons. So they're madness. Yeah. They are an insane labyrinth that <laughs> you will get lost in. Some are impossible. In fact, I'd say like a good number are just straight up impossible to actually beat. And you have no way of knowing that before you get there. It is a very, very troubling one. Uh, mind you, Daggerfall did have, like Arena, pre-built uh, dungeons for major quests, like the main quest. But we won't get actual focused dungeon design and still ba Battle Spire for the whole game. Yeah. Um, and then going through the main series, Morrowind, we had kind of more traditional dungeons, but I felt like Morrowind was more focused, and I imagine this is going forward from Arena, on overworld content than dungeons. Like, the dungeons were interesting. You would go in, and they would be, like, kind of the final, like, you go into this spot to collect this thing, and then get out of there again, and go back to the overworld content. So it was kind of interesting. That's where all the like the things would be hidden that I found like the Daedric artifacts, you would find it in a dungeon, which was maybe a grotto or an ancestral tomb or a mine or things like that in Morrowind. But for the most part, the dungeon experience is kind of just like a get in, get out and maybe do a little bit of exploring when you're in there. Would anybody agree or disagree with that? Morrowinds are fairly well put together uh, they're well put together but they're not the focus i would feel like the the overworld content is much more of a focus of the game i definitely agree there's not much to see in them once you've seen a few besides a few standout ones you're not going to see much more in the other dungeons yeah whereas i'd and argue got... that that's not how it is with oblivion agreed hmm I think they made a major change in how they did dungeon design in Oblivion. Which yeah. I Oblivion. Oblivion's, I hated... Oh, go ahead. Oblivion, infamously, almost every dungeon in the game was made by a single person. Really? Oh, interesting. That That's was his job, making fact. those dungeons. And unsurprisingly, he probably went a bit insane and <laughs> wasn't very inspired with what yeah. he had by himself uh i remember his name uh it, this is a true ish fact i have definitely heard this before uh i'm pretty sure it is actually in the manual that yeah there's only one guy listed for dungeon design uh but i'd have to look up to verify it more thoroughly than that yeah but okay uh, so 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 with oblivion you've got oblivion gates and unfortunately you know with the exception of the main quest related gates there's only 10 possible layouts but yeah. the, the aliad ruins the caves you've got forts you've got mines um you've got oblivion dungeons of different sizes um you've got the small medium and large ones and you know uh, the I, I was going through the list the list of dungeons on the on the places um page on our wiki and uh fathis aaron's tower where you've got yeah you know, i was just looking at the map and how complicated it was and there was this long yeah. underwater section where you had to avoid the slaughter fish and it's incredibly 
innovative. Uh, um, Fafasaren's tower, uh, interestingly, was actually probably part of the main quest at one point. That might be part of the reason why it's so elaborate. Uh, inside uh, the construction set, it's referred to as the Tower of Emperor, uh, the, the Tower of the Cult of Emperor Zero, or something. Huh. So it, it was something more grand that they probably refocused. Interesting. That was very interesting. I didn't know that. And uh, you know, a lot of the Daedric artifact dungeons, uh, you've got Sanquator. It's very elaborate. Uh, you've got things like Arkved's Tower, you know, the giant scale. Upside, upside down furniture because the guy was being tormented by Femina for some reason. Yeah. He stole her artifact and so she's unhappy with him. So she's tormenting him with nightmares and it's just all strange. She's um, just unhappy because she's And okay, yeah, I mean, the alien ruins do get a bit samey and the caves do get a bit samey. But I would say in general, the, the dungeons in Oblivion are good. I, the, I think my problem came from the Oblivion gates when it was like during the, the quest it's like go yeah. through and do 10 oblivion gates and you're like oh okay go through and do 10 of them they're like okay do 10 more and you're like oh my gosh mm. i can't <laughs> handle these anymore and i think that burned me out of a lot of the game uh yes, because i was like going through i was playing it on xbox 360 too so it was no mods no anything like that going on and i remember just getting burned out of just oblivion gates and i remember actually i put the game down for probably like two or three weeks and just didn't play it anymore because I was like, I'm just tired. So, I did 40 because I wanted is that part the of the sigil stones for the for the free enchanting. Yeah. Uh, is that part of the main quest to do that many? Or <sighs> It might not be that many in a row, but there's a lot of, like you had to go through and do like three and then there was another part where like, okay, do like a few more and then I was like, okay, do a few more again. I'd have to remember where it was, but. You have to do Kavach, you have to do Bruma, um you are recommended maybe that's what it to do uh one for every city in mm. uh Lydian. oh yes uh, you do one for every Cyril. city so that is. you can recruit the guards yes but there's yes. no actual benefit to doing this quest really it's just oh well they didn't tell you, you that yes it's <laughs> you you really need to do it but also it doesn't benefit you because yeah. yeah i haven't really Touched a lot of the main quests. I did get past the promo one. I don't remember exactly then where you do I was. Great but games, I've been kind of avoiding them it. in general. That's fair. Um, and then we jump ahead to Skyrim, which there's an interesting fact. I think it was Veritron uh, that was talking about that in this game's previous to Skyrim, you were expected to complete all the dungeons entirely by yourself. But in Skyrim, you're more expected to do it with a follower, which I thought was kind of an interesting. Take yeah, to so it. so you know, up to and including obviously, I'm not massively familiar with Daggerfall, but uh, some quests have a temporary follower. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Skyrim, you've got right from the beginning, you've got Lydia. I say right from the beginning, you know, a couple of hours in, you get Lydia as a house car. Yeah, you get um, other house cars as you buy more things. Yeah hire an NPC mercenary, and it means that they can do slightly harder dungeon mechanics than they could if it's just a single person. Yeah, so in Skyrim they have caves, hideouts, Nordic runes, dwarven runes, and then, yeah, I think you could consider some of the forts to be... Even some of the forts, yeah, because some of the forts have got um, Um, evil sorcerers. So there was a lot, like, there's a lot of dungeons I felt in Skyrim. 
And I felt it's more focused on the dungeons than Morrowind was. That it's more you're going into places versus just exploring above land. But there is still a lot of above land, like don't get me wrong, Skyrim's vast and huge. But I felt the focus was a lot more on the places inside of them in Skyrim that yeah, you're going were, into. Yeah, they were a lot more individually unique. Yeah. Each yeah. one had its kind of own different theme, different look, and... Yeah, whereas There's, in Morrowind, yeah, so if you go types. into one ancestral tomb, you've gone to all of the ancestral tombs because they're basically the same. They've got the same enemies, the same kind, similar layout, like things like that. So I think that's same really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Baratron and I were arguing in the show notes about... So Baratron stated that, uh, I think, that probably, what was it, 99% of Skyrim players. It depends. I mean, if you've, if you've done the main quest at all, then you must have done Blue Cross Power. Because it's literally, you know, you get out of Helgen, you go to Riverwood, and the first thing you have to do in the main quest is, is go through Sparrow Cottage. Okay. So. I would, but I would probably argue that there are a very large number of players that have never completed the main quest in prob- yeah, Skyrim. Probably. They might have not completed the main quest, but they might have or gotten even past have that gotten, first step of it. But, I bet even have gotten that far. I bet there's such a there's so many people that have played Skyrim. What is it like eleven million mm. copies sold? I bet there's of course, more. If you're than, like me, you bought the same thing three true, times. But I bet there's more than a million people that have played that game that have never been inside Bleak Fall Barrow. Wow. Uh, well, uh, Maybe, I don't know. The largest number they reported was thirty million. Thirty million. Okay, mm. so then there we go. Like that's. I bet there's so many. I bet like half of the people that bought the game never made it like past Helgen to be. Well, honest. there's always people who buy the game and then don't really play more than an hour or two. But yeah, that's what I mean. So well, I meant or by, they go in, they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll just go do this. Yeah, like, tutorial when I said Skyrim players, I mean people basically who have actually out of all the dun- <laughs> Yeah, basically of all the dungeons in Skyrim, it's most likely that people have done that one. Exactly. That one, that's, I would agree that's with. really I would agree. what I meant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, basically, in Skyrim, it's everywhere you go to get a word wall that's not actually out in the open is is some kind of dungeon. And they're quite long, Skyrim dungeons. The ones that were added by Dawnguard and they Dragonborn are. are super long. Um, and I put this in the show notes. Ravenrock Mine in Dragonborn took me five and a half hours. That's a and very that, long time. Yeah, and that included two returns to the surface with a full inventory of items to decon and sell. And uh, I, I had so much fun in that place. It was a very, very thorough five and a half hours. And of course, I went from playing Dragon Ball to playing ESO, and I was very disappointed by ESO at the beginning. Because you go into ESO and you've got to delve, and it's, it's 10, 15 minutes. It's yeah, you're not exploring and you're the like, delves, really. Wow, you're just that it? running through Especially in uh, early ESO when they were just mm-hmm. donuts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was something you know researching for for this show that I really remembered. I remembered how I felt about ESO at the beginning, um, and I can see actually why we have people who are members of UESP, very passionate Elder Scrolls fans, who haven't been able to get into ESO, and it's not because they can't stand multiplayer. Because obviously there's some people just just like nope, nope, it's multiplayer, no interest. Um, Probably because, you know, if they're people who are really into the exploration side, it's not... Yeah, so made not the greatest impression. Yeah, and exploration-wise, ESO, is it, that's not probably one of the main 
the main points I would say for ESO. Like you don't feel like Guild Wars 2, I think probably is of MMOs is one of the ones that does the best job at making you feel like you're exploring a new zone and like discovering things. Whereas I don't feel that way as much in ESO, which isn't to take away from ESO at all. It's just, that's not one of the focuses they made. Um, um, the, whereas like ESO does stuff like crafting. I think crafting in ESO is the best of any MMO in existence. And I honestly, like that, that they do well, but I honestly can't say uh, any MMO where I'm like, oh, well, I'm an explorer of a world that hasn't been trodden before. Like, mm. well, not not in that way. Not as a, like a I'm oh, like a pathfinder or like yeah. thing like that. But when you're going around in Guild Wars 2, it feels like you're like, oh, I'm discovering this thing for like a, like you're on an adventure. And like, oh, wow, this is like a majestic thing that I found. And they make sure that like there's points of interest that are really captivating and things like that whereas like eso's points of interest are cool but they're not they don't have that like grandeur to them that like even like the single player games like skyrim when you get to like the uh rim of the world and stuff like that you're like whoa like this is like i'm not the first person here but it's like this is a this i'm exploring this mountain and i get up there and there's this cool thing that i didn't expect and things like that um but yeah so if we jump into eso a bit more so one of the things that I think when I first started playing in ESO, which kind of turned me off the game, is there are so many different types of dungeons. I had trouble understanding what the purpose of them all were. So you have delves, you have public dungeons, you have group dungeons, you have arenas, and you have trials are basically the five different types of dungeons that you have in ESO. And when you first get in there, they're not really explained what the difference is between like a delve and a public dungeon or a actual dungeon that you have to queue for so i was afraid to go into them as a solo player not having any friends in the game not knowing anybody because i was like well this is a dungeon and i come from world of warcraft and dungeons are an instance that you run with a group of four people mm -hmm. yeah so i don't want to do that so i was afraid to do those so i didn't touch them for the longest time uh, which is also funny because that's why i have such a low completion rate on the delves in the game because when i was leveling through the early characters i just didn't go into them yeah, I ran into that as well, especially yeah. for the public dungeons, because they're specifically named dungeons. I yeah. thought they were, you know, the same yeah. thing as group dungeons. At least elves had a different name. Yeah. And something to yeah. bear in mind as well is that the difficulty level of ESO has decreased dramatically. Yeah. You can do uh, even some group dungeons by yourself now. Yeah, people can. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Not as a not as a brand new player though. <laughs> I would say like uh average skilled level player can do most of a good number of the uh base game group dungeons by yeah, themselves. Once you've once you've hit max level or had know what you're doing in the game, I would say. Because yeah. if you like again, like when I first started playing, I did the full main quest without equipping a single set item. Because I didn't, I thought sets were something you just got an end game and you didn't actually deal with them. So I basically only used the items that they gave me as like quest rewards to level up through. And there's no real sets when they originally. I think now they have sets that they give you when you go through the main quest and you've got the level up rewards and stuff like that. So I didn't really do any of that. I had like Sword of Magicka. Sets back then were for particular levels, like um... yeah. The Warlock set could be obtained between level 15 and level 23. And that then Healer's Habit could be obtained between 
level 23 and level 28. And you wonder why I know this? Because of my characters and magic characters, and I had I had the sets. Kept yeah. them off and you could only get them in the certain set. zones, so yeah. the only time when you were in those zones you could get those. Yeah, so I didn't really use any of those sets because I thought they were for something different. But yeah, so let's go over. So there's Delves, which are intended to be the single-player dungeons, and they take like 15 minutes. I think they originally took a little bit longer than 15 minutes when they were new to the game. Because I remember spending a little bit longer in them. But I think it's it principally is... that, that uh, you know, the, the average player, even as a, as a new player, your, your DPS, damage per second is, is high enough that you do sort of breeze through them. Yeah, you kind of go through it pretty well. So they're kind of the single player. They're not instant, so you run it with other, other people. Um, there's public dungeons, which are confusing because they're meant to be done in a group, but you can still do them solo if you're a high enough level. Uh, but they're instanced in the same way that a group no, dungeon no. would be. No, they're not. Aren't public They're instanced, but... Oh, wait, no, they're instanced, but multiple people can go into them. They're not instanced at all. Public dungeons are just like Delves. Except no, they will eventually they create all instances. Technically, delves are instances too. Um, you have to go through a door, you travel to a new server, and you're plopped into a group. Okay, dungeon. we're using instance in different ways. Yes. What I mean is, it's a it's a public instance. It's not a yes. It's a public. Generally instance. speaking, when ESO players talk about instance, they mean private instance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's a public instance, which means you can plop in there with a group, but there's other people in there as well. Versus a group dungeon, which you're plopped into a new instance, but it's private and only the you and your group of four or three other people mm -hmm. are in That's there. True. Then you have trials, which are private instances where you and 11 other people are going through to mm -hmm. do the story. And then arenas are also different because there's group arenas and solo player arenas. Yeah. And arenas are, you know, they're technically dungeons because you've got many enemies to kill, but there's literally no exploration at all. You're in a room, you kill the you kill yeah. the monsters, you go to the next room, kill all the monsters. There's there's it, absolutely nothing. Arenas are basically gauntlets for yeah. Yeah. different purposes, so. But they're private instances, it's only you or your group in it, depending on which arena mm -hmm. it is. Um, so those are kind of the way that ESO handles dungeons, which is interesting. And it's very different from, I would say, basically any other... I don't know another MMO that handles dungeons the same way that ESO does. I can't say I really know very much about MMOs. You know, I no. know about Elder Scrolls games. I don't, I don't know about MMOs. Um, but yes, I believe that they are different. Yeah, um, they're pretty different from other... I could MMOs, have interviewed my friends. You it. see, this is why Lost would have been helpful, because he plays Warcraft and Guild Wars 2, doesn't see, he? See, we should have got Lost in here. Yeah, today. he was the he one going, oh, I don't know much about Dungeons. We're dungeons. literally wishing he was here right now. Yeah, I don't really remember Guild Wars 2. It's been that Guild long. Guild Wars has the uh, the big dungeons, like the big group dungeons. It has these little... They start with a V. I can't remember the name of them. Oh, I'll never forget it. But it does have similar things, but the dungeons and Guild Wars are very unique in the MMO space that I don't feel like ESO really matches up with like kind of as a turn for turn um but wow it's like completely different wow dungeons are group activities that you do when you're like running through things specifically they're not really tied to story they're not for, well they're tied to the story in an overall way but they're like kind of standalone things that you do you run them and that's what you do to grind gear is kind of it but um but it is really interesting to look at ESO and how it's different from the single player games 
because the single player games, like if we look at Skyrim, there's so much focus on exploring the dungeons mm-hmm. and doing the different things in there. Whereas in ESO, dungeons are more of a, like, it feels like more of like a mechanic of the game than like part of the game, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like an obstacle to get to the quest point, basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so which is it's kind of funny. It's like it's it's a weird thing because, and I think that right there is a big hurdle for a lot of people when they talk about like we know that ESO gets a bunch of hate online of people being like, yeah, but I want a real Elder Scrolls game. Mm. But that's kind of a hurdle where it's like you go from this like I want to go and explore and I can just go anywhere, do whatever I want and things like that. But then you have group dungeons in ESO where it's like, well, I can't just wander in there and see what's happening because if you're not going in with a group of four people that know what they're doing it's you're just it just won't work but but that's also part of the like that's just par for the course with an mmo you need to have that content that's that repeatable content Mm -hmm. that people can run multiple times as a gate essentially to be able to get more gear because you get more gear to move up and things like that so and also, Whereas that's not a problem a single player game Some has. players genuinely enjoy doing the daily pledges, which are the, the repeatable I love doing them. dungeon uh, quests. Um, and you do, do up to three dungeons a day. Plus the, the random dungeon, so up to four dungeons a day per character. Um. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I love running the, like, the pledges. And that's like, again, I came from WoW, so that's kind of a home territory is running daily dungeons and doing repeatable things over and over and over. So I think that's a lot of, that's, it's a really interesting thing to look at there. Um, but the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about too, um, is Baratron's question about story in dungeons that you kind of led off with, Mm. with it being, it's interesting talking about that because it's, it feels like in ESO at least that when we're talking about story of the dungeons is the way they've been designed is they kind of have to be all compartmentalized from the rest of the game. The dungeons until we had this, the new, like uh, until elsewhere, really mm-hmm. where we had the year of the dragon. Right. Like before that, every other thing in the game, it's like all the dungeons are standalone and basically have nothing to do with the main quest for the different zones you're in or the different things going on. Like look at Fungal Grotto, like really you go in Fungal Grotto and it doesn't feel like it has anything to do with the Mm -hmm. soul shriven in Cold Harbor because it's not part of that story. They're just kind of like these standalone. But now we've got Stonethorn and like, Every dungeon in there is part of that main story, which is really an interesting change. And I think it's been one that's been welcomed. What do you guys feel? Um, I mean, I certainly welcome it, but I know that we do have, like within the guild, we have the people who are basically solo players who chat in the guild, but don't don't really do group content. And they literally just want to run the dungeons once so that they've experienced Mm -hmm. the story and that's it. And that's all they want to do. And you've got, basically, there's like... A spectrum, really. You've got people on the one hand who just want to do the do the dungeon once to experience the story, and then all the way through to the people who run dungeons constantly, often the same dungeon more than once in a day, to farm for gear, to 
challenge themselves? You know, can they do it faster? To grind for different things? Yeah. Like if it's you were like, oh, I need transmute crystals. Because dungeons are, one, very, very part of the core identity of Elder Scrolls. We used to start yeah. in a very, very famous game dungeon. Like, the series starts in a, one of the more famous game dungeons of all time, I would say. Like, people know about the Imperial City Prison dungeon because most people never got that far in that game because it's <laughs> yeah. so infamous mm. uh it, it's something you can't ignore but expressing but at the same time mmos have a different baggage with uh dungeons yeah you, you can't start every character in a dungeon in in an mmo it'd be a nightmare well, we did originally we all started <laughs> in the wailing prison yeah, but that's more of yeah, a know, tutorial yeah, zone than an actual dungeon. They just drop your brand new character without gear in a, <laughs> a dungeon that would normally take 16 people to beat. Yeah, it's just a trial to start. Mm -hmm. And it's all just like level ones, just like slowly like trying to like overwhelm a boss with their like one attack at a time. It'd be hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Like, I, I really find that I am more invested in the dungeons now that they attach themselves to that main year-long story. And I'm more excited to go through and care about the story of the dungeon than I was with the original dungeons. Because once I completed that, like, quest, I felt disattached from the, like, disengaged with the dungeon. I definitely agree. Um, some of... Especially some of the earlier ones when they were still trying to figure out what direction the game was going. Like Celine's Web, where, you're, where you learn, uh, I think it was in part two, that the, your main ally was the bad guy in this. And then you don't really get, you don't really do anything about that. You don't really get closure until yeah. Lair of Marcelot. Well, no, you still yeah. don't get closure in Lair of Marcelot, really. You don't get you to kill Carindon, do you? No. Uh, you don't, but I believe he dies, does he not? I shall check. We should check that out. But yeah, Selene's Web was actually my favorite dungeon of all time, because it was that time that you're playing through it, and you're going through, you're like, oh man, I gotta do this, and then you get to the end of the dungeon, you're like, oh wait, we're the bad guys. We've made a huge mistake, and that was the first time I felt like really like invested in the story of a dungeon in The Elder Scrolls Online, because the ones that I'd run earlier, it was like, Either, it was just like there wasn't that much that kind of grabbed me until the later dungeons, whereas I would say all of yeah. the DLC dungeons, the story really grabbed me a lot more. Well, uh, I mean, uh, I'll definitely say that about Celine's Web. It was the example I had on the tip of my tongue, so it clearly had a story that left, left some impact. Uh, Carrington mm -hmm. doesn't get killed, but, no. the, but he does get the Archmage of the Mages Guild uh, once a wood. So he Oh, okay, so he might get his wrist slapped at least. <laughs> I hope so. So, uh, for me, my favorite dungeon wasn't in uh, ESO. It was uh, actually in Oblivion. It was the DLC dungeon for that and in Mayron's Razor. It was the largest dungeon in Oblivion by a large margin. Like, I think the second largest dungeon in the game is Sinker Tour with, like, uh, I want to say six or eight zones. Uh, this dungeon has 22 zones in it. Goodness. It is absolutely massive. Uh, and with the later game style, like uh, 
Fawn was saying earlier of it's more about the overworld content at that point. Having that classical dungeon uh, that this is a marathon you have to prepare before you go in. Mm. Like, you have to have a plan before you step foot in this thing. It, it was a very fun experience, and it left a giant impact on me. I ran that dungeon so many times. I don't think I've done the Marin, Marin's Riser. I don't think I have either. Me either. I'm not it, sure what my favorite dungeon is. I like a lot of the places, I guess, in Skyrim that have, you know, just, like, really grand views, like some of the big caves and stuff, and um, I noticed that uh, Skarm mentioned in chat, um, I don't know if he'd really consider it a dungeon, but the Forgotten Veil was kind of, you know, its own thing, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff to see in it, it took a long time to go through. I would say the Forgotten Veil was kind of a dungeon. I would so include that on That the might list. be mine. Do you explore it, and do you kill stuff? It's a dungeon. I, I agree it's a dungeon. Yeah, but you can also say dungeon. that about the overworld. <laughs> but yeah, there are caves in it and stuff, so. I'd How about your bear trunk? You have to pick one favorite. I have to pick one? That's yeah, hard. I have to pick one. Uh, can I cheat and have one story and one game? Fine, you can have one story. Yay! So ruins the Mazatine for story. Kim just is just the best. He's just the most fun character I I would not have Ruins of Manhattan as my favorite dungeon, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. I agree that he's a great character, but that dungeon just tricks. It's, it's a long dungeon, yeah, but I, so I just long. love the story and I love that character. Now, um, for gameplay, probably Dark Shade 2 because every single boss has interesting mechanics and you have to switch up your gameplay. So, um, I can, based on that, cho that choice of dungeon, I can say almost with certainty that you don't pug dungeons very often, do you? I do not, because I'm allergic yeah. to pugging. Pugging makes me ill. If you've ever pugged Darkshade 2, you probably have one less computer because you threw it through a window. <laughs> pugging makes me break out in hives. I So oh for those who don't know, God, pug means pickup group. Of that. Pick up group. And this is when you are using the group finder to play with strangers. I don't do that. I play with the UESP guild. See, I'm sensible. Yes. I so when I first started playing, I didn't have I didn't join the UESP guild for the first like two years that I played because I wasn't super involved. I didn't know about it. Um, I didn't have really many friends that I played with. Um, I had a couple of I had a few people that started playing with me and then they kind of dropped off. So basically, I did all of the dungeons and all of the um, content solo in ESO basically the first time through, and. I came from WoW, and I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but I came from WoW where when you hit max level, you're expected to move to heroic dungeons right away. All right. And that's how you got level. So you'd have normal dungeons to start, and then you would go, as soon as you hit max level, you unlocked heroic dungeons. I thought vet dungeons was the same way. So as soon as I hit, like, CP levels, so I hit level 50, I only queued for vet dungeons after that. Ooh, that way. In pugs. Oh. So I thought the game was way harder than it is, but I, I've cleared basically every main game vet dungeon only from pucks. That's impressive. <laughs> Which is just, I could, but I never could do any of the DLC ones because they were just literally too hard. Because I was like, these are impossible they to do. They actually require mechanics and understanding. They require mechanics and they required you to be like CP. Mm -hmm. over like cp like 300 to actually be able to do them and i'm coming in there at like cp 50 being like doo, 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 doo. i'm gonna go try 
kill Lord Warden. Oh, damn. Didn't work. Um, which is fun. But so, yeah, I thought dungeons were way harder than they had to be because I did them as pugs and not with any dedicated group, yeah. no voice communication, nothing. It was all just like, well, let's see what happens Not here. using voice communication. You see, see, PC, ESO has no voice communication yeah. built in because they figure that it's it's perfectly well catered for multi processors. You know, there was Mumble, there was Ventrilo, which TeamSpeak, yeah. Discord, be some other Skype stuff on people the side, even yeah. use. Um, and so they didn't bother to to implement a voice a voice chat system. And I think that does mean that that is the area where PC players are essentially handicapped. Now, the you can type though on an in a you can. Yes, PC, where you can't type on Sometimes consoles, really. it's quite a long explanation to type. Yeah. Yeah, fair. And especially when it's when a mechanics happened like... Um, uh, I will say about the ESO uh, com um, uh, community, uh, if you, you want to call it that, uh, they, whoever I have had to type instructions about public dungeons in chat when I was um, doing pug. They were, everyone was super friendly. Every interaction I have actually had in a public dungeon, despite the normal odds, yeah. has actually been friendly somehow still. I, I'm sure that will eventually change, but so far it's still been, everyone's been nice. Uh, I would say I could count the number of bad interactions I've had in ESO on one hand. I've definitely had a few. I had like one, I think we were on stream when I was doing um, White Gold Tower and I had one of the most toxic players ever like try to like convince me to uninstall the game and like quit forever and stuff like that because they were doing a mechanic wrong. Um, oh, great. But for the most part, and again, I went through all of the base game dungeons on vet pugging. I didn't really have many, like usually what would even happen is like we would get to a point where we're like guys i just don't think we can do this and everyone would be like yeah i don't think we're leveled enough or we're geared enough to do this and everyone would be like okay well thanks for running it was a good shot like the majority of the interactions i've had and i know people have had poor interactions and there's certain segments of the community i know the rp community has some harder times with different people trying to troll them and things like that but for most part personally i haven't had a many bad experiences in eso so thanks, ESO fam. There are always but, some idiots. I um, mean, in, in every community, but yeah, oh, yeah, I think for the most part, it is fairly well internally yeah, any community placed. Is have. Not 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 sort of by external. You mustn't do that. But if somebody's being an idiot in zone chat, people tell them they're being an idiot, and and they carry on. They get reported, and eventually something exactly. Happens. I don't know when, but eventually. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we've covered basically everything in the terms of dungeon conversation we wanted to have tonight. I don't think there's anything we missed. Does anybody have any final things they wanted to say before we sign off and say goodbye for the night? Absolutely not. Nothing else. Baratron Alara, you got it. I could say a lot more, but you know, <laughs> I think yeah. I will do it to bed. <laughs> maybe we'll save yeah, maybe we'll save that for another episode. Uh, well, on behalf of myself, Baratron, Alara, AKB, and the rest of the staff here at UESP, we hope you guys have some fantastic nights and some fantastic adventures in Nern, and we will see you all again soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Skeleton run. Bye.